3, 2 Timothy 3. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power, avoid such people. For among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also oppose the truth, men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith. But they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all, as was that those of those two men. Thanks. Let me encourage you to go to that text of Scripture there in 2 Timothy, chapter 3. If you have your copy of the Scriptures with you, or perhaps uh, you're wanting to use one of the Bibles provided for you, if that is the case, that's page 996 in those uh, Bibles there. Before I dive in, uh, one of the things I, I, as we were singing that last song, he will hold me fast. Um, there's a line in there. It says, justice has been satisfied. Maybe you maybe remember singing that. Okay. I thought, as we sang that, I thought, you know, with God, only uh, true justice is only possible with God. Okay. Now, we, we can have justice on earth, right? But pure, true justice can only come from God because... Um, only he can restore things to where this should be. So if, if someone commits murder and they're found guilty and they have, to, they have to go into prison for the rest of their life or whatever, in one sense we say here on earth, justice has been, has been served. But, but it's not perfect, complete justice because justice would restore the person's life who died. Okay? Only God can do that. Only God can give pure justice. So as we sang that song, I thought to myself, I'm so grateful that I, with all the things going on in the world, I'm so grateful that God can give complete, pure, true justice. And it's been satisfied in Jesus Christ. Beautiful thing to think about. So I just love these songs that we sing. I'm so grateful for uh, the preparation that goes into it. And so thank you, musicians, for leading that today. And just want to share with you some of the things that go through my head as, as, we're, as we're singing. All right, so you've been asked to go to 2 Timothy chapter 3. The text has been read uh, to us, and uh, I'm looking forward to discussing this text with you. Let me just remind you a little bit where we've been so far in the series. Uh, this is Paul's letter to Timothy. This is his last letter, you'll remember, uh, right before he, he, he dies. Okay, so we're at the end of Paul's life here. Um, he's writing to Timothy, whom he met on his second missions trip. We read about that in the book of Acts. 
And some of the things that we've pieced together about Timothy, remember, he's, he's kind of a timid in nature. He's young, okay? He's a pastor, right? Okay, so, and he has um, a lot of chronic health things going on. And so there's, there's these things that are going on in Timothy's life that make him such that Paul feels like he has to give some extra encouragement to. And I love Paul's patience. I love how Paul is, is encouraging uh, this young pastor on here. And this is what we're reading here. He's, we're reading this letter. It's a very personal letter. He's, he's uh, uh, giving his heart to, to Timothy as, as Paul's sitting in a, in a very uh, dark dungeon waiting his execution here. He's already talked about in the first chapter, we, we talked about how that he says, I want you to guard the deposits entrusted to you. I, you know, you've been given the gospel. Share the gospel. He's used metaphors in chapter 2 of, of a soldier, of a farmer, of an athlete, and, and then a worker. Uh, we talked last week. Wayne talked about that last week. And so he's saying here that, that you need to be working hard. You need to be playing by the rules like the athlete. You need to have the laser focus of a soldier. And then he says that there's going to be, that he tells them in, in chapter 2, verse 22, flee youthful passions, pursue righteousness. And he says that there's going to be some people that are going to be opposed to him. He says you'd be patient with them, okay? And then we get to chapter 3 here, okay? That just kind of gives you a, a, an idea of where we've been. And then he says, understand this. So we're going to, we're going to talk about that today. Let me pray and ask God's blessing, and then we'll continue on. Father, I, I, whenever we open your word, whenever your word is read, whenever I stand up to talk about your word, God, I, I'm, I'm acutely aware of the need for the Spirit of God to take your word to impress upon hearts. And so that's what we're asking for right now. I'm, I'm asking that as I communicate now, that I would communicate in a way that is biblically accurate, that is clear, and is helpful to all who are listening into my own heart, God. So we know that that can only happen through the Holy Spirit, through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so that's what we're asking. So as we already said this morning when we prayed earlier at the beginning of the service, remove distractions, and may we be able to learn from you. And so we give you all praise and glory for uh, what you're doing here. In Christ's name we do pray, amen. I don't know if you ever had an expectation and you've been really looking forward to something and then the reality of the situation was far different than the expectation. Maybe you've seen some of these you know, things on, the, on social media or whatever where someone will say that they, they wanted to bake a certain cake and they were, you know, uh, they have the picture of it, you know what I'm talking about, and they say, okay, here's the expectation. Then they show you how theirs turned out you know, it didn't look anything like it, you know, uh, or something like that. For me, as I was thinking about a time where I had this, this great expectation, and then it was just absolutely dashed. I just go back, I know I've told you this before, but I mean, this was scarring to me, all right? I grabbed a cookie, thinking it was a chocolate chip cookie. You know where I'm going. I mean, I thought to myself, manna from heaven, here we go. And I was going to take a bite of this chocolate chip cookie, and someone in some psychotic episode decided to put raisins in instead of chocolate chips. And so you, you take a bite of this thinking you're going to get this semi-sweet chocolate goodness that's going to melt in your mouth, and you get junior prunes, 
okay? All right? It's, it's a letdown, right? Okay, okay, so you have this expectation there's a letdown. Now you're saying, why are you talking about this, Jeremy? I'm not talking about chocolate chip cookies for the rest of the sermon today. But here's what I want to do is expectations, right? What should we expect in life and particularly in the last days? Because look at the text. It says, in the last days, understand this, that in the last days there will become times of difficulty or we could say stress, okay? So what should we expect in the last days. So here's, I'm going to give you a sentence here, and this is what I'd like you to walk away from, if nothing else, okay? Godless, godlessness should be expected, but never accepted in these last days, okay? Godlessness should be expected, all right, but never accepted in these last days. So now, I'm imagining a conversation right now that may be happening in some of your minds right now, and here's how the conversation's going. You say, hmm, in these last days, you say, hmm, do you mean that we're in the last days right now? Yes. Okay? The conversation continues in my head with you. Ah, that makes sense. I mean, with, with, just because of Russia, Ukraine, the economy, the decline of morality in the U.S., that's why you say you're in the last days, right? No. Conversation continues. Huh? <laughs> well, we're in the last days, okay? Because the last days actually started with the incarnation of Jesus Christ and will end at his second coming. That's when the last days they started. They started when Jesus came to earth, and they're going to end when he comes back. You say, well, wait a minute here. I, I thought that there was going to be some other things that we'd have to see in order for these last days to come. There'd be like some geopolitical stuff happening and stuff like that. There'd be all sorts of things. Well, let me just tell you, yeah, some of those things may happen, but Biblically speaking, we're in the last days. You say, prove it. Okay, I'm glad to do so. Okay, let's start in the text here, first of all. In this text, he says, in the last days, there will come times of difficulty. You say, ah, Jeremy, that's future tense. Yeah, 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 I'll get there, I'll get there. Okay, all right. So, there will come times of difficulty. It says, uh, for men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful and holy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, reckless, swollenless conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Other than that, they're pretty good people, okay? All right. But then it says this at the end of verse 5, avoid such people. Wait a minute here. These are the people that are going to be described that are going to be in the last days, and then Paul has just told Timothy to avoid them. Well, they have to be around in order to be avoided. So that must mean, he says, wait a minute here, we're in the last days, okay? These people are around, okay? Not just in Acts, uh, not just here in this text. In Acts chapter 2, I won't take time to turn there, but Paul is, uh, excuse me, Peter is quoting the prophet Joel there on the day of Pentecost, and he talks about the things that Joel prophesied for the last days as coming true during that time. Acts chapter 2 is another text for that. Okay, Hebrews chapter 1, I put it on the screen. Hebrews chapter 1, long ago, this is what the author of Hebrews says, long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophet. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appeared to the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. You say, well, maybe he's just saying there, well, it was just in the, the previous days or the, the, the current days. I was saying, no, this is a, a, a phrase that's often used for the last age, okay? But if you want it even more clear, First John chapter 2, children, it is the last hour. And you have heard that many, that Antichrist is coming, and now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. Okay, so 
just to clarify here, the Bible speaks of the time of the last hour, the last days, as when Jesus is it kicked off when he came to earth, and it will end when he comes back. So, we're in these last days, okay? Now, what should we expect of this? This text here, Paul's letter to Timothy, is helpful to us in that, and that is this, as I'm going to remind us here, that godlessness should be expected but never accepted in these last days. So, what, what's going to characterize this? How should, what, what, should we, what should we be on the lookout for along with our brother Timothy here whom this letter was written to? Well, I'm going to break this up into three parts here. First of all, people are going to add stress to your life. Then there will be the worst of the worst, but don't worry, truth always prevails. Okay, that's how we're going to frame this, that people are going to add stress to your life. Then there's going to be the worst of the worst, but don't worry, truth prevails. Okay, that's going to be our frame. So let's start talking about stressful people in these last days. Now, many of you are thinking right now, well, if that's what categorizes the last days, man, we've been in them. Yeah, absolutely. People are stressful and they're making me stressed. Now you say, well, why are you saying stressful? Because in times of difficulty, in verse 1, that's, all, that's what it's talking about. There's going to be just times of stress, okay? That's what's going to be in these last days, and that's what in these last days. Oh, I told you that I was going to tell you why he said in the future tense. Because that's a prophetic construction. That's a way for a force of saying that it is happening and will continue to happen. That's why he used the future tense there. So I told you I would, I would, I would mention that. Sorry about that. Okay, so times of difficulty equal times of stress. So why are these people so stressful? Okay, and then you may be saying, now wait a minute here, do you mean that they're stressed or they cause stress? Yes, Okay, all right, I mean both here, okay? So what makes these people stressful and what causes them to cause stress? Okay, here's, I'm just gonna, we could go through this, uh, these first few verses here, those first five verses, and we could go through and, and talk about every one of those things, but I don't think that that was Paul's intention. I think Paul's intention is just to do like this big broad brush and say, boom, this is what it's going to look like. So what I've done is I've kind of broken this down into four categories here. If you have a, a note section handout, you'll see those blanks there. Uh, if you're taking notes in the bulletin, you can just jot these things down. So what, uh, uh, what characterizes these stressful people in these last days, the ones who are stressed out of their minds themselves and then causing stress in other people? First of all, it's narcissism. Did you see that in the text? Did you see how they'll be lovers of self, and, and it was all about themselves, it's all about this? The temptation to, with narcissism is always to be something, okay? It's about themselves. And do we not see this in our world today? Do we not see right now where all the world is about making a name for ourselves or, or, or putting ourselves as inserting as in the most important person in the world and everything else should be about our wants and our desires, right? And so this narcissistic type thinking, that is characteristic of these last days. And my friends, if we're not careful, even as believers in Jesus Christ, okay, even as people who want to follow Jesus Christ, and, and if you're here in church today, most likely you at least have some sort of desire for that or someone who does drag you, uh, drug you here, okay? One of the two has happened here. But if even for those people who want to follow Jesus Christ, let me tell you, these four things that we're talking about here, starting with narcissism, if we're not careful, it's, it affects us. And please, please do not make the mistake. Do not make the mistake of thinking that current culture has no effect on us. It does. 
We've got to resist it. This is why over and over in the scriptures we're told to resist the devil and he will flee from you. We're told to stand firm. We're told to put on the armor of God that we may be able to stand in the evil day and having to all to stand. And so when we look at this text here, what Paul is saying to Timothy, he said, listen, this is what you're going to ex- expect. People are going to be all about themselves. They're only going to be concerned about themselves. And, and why is this so bad? Why is it so bad? Well, because it goes right against, it goes right against what Jesus said was the greatest commandment. Love of God with your heart, soul, and mind. The second is like unto it, love your neighbors yourself. It just goes right, flies right in the face of that. And so as we're looking at this text, it's one thing to say, okay, yeah, this is a description of the world here. Yeah, that's bad. bad. I can't believe how bad this world's gotten. Well, just remember, this is, this is people that were written, you know, this, this is in the, the six, 60s A.D. that this book was written. Same is true today. Because it's the last days. People are going to be focused on themselves, narcissism. So the question comes is, are we developing some of this in our own lives? Are we allowing narcissistic type thinking to uh, in impact and influence our decisions and our thinking? Do we really have a desire to love God first and love people second? Or is it all about us? Something to think about. Something to think about. Okay, so stressful people in the last days, why are they so stressed? Because it's all about themselves. You say, well, well, wait a minute here. If they're thinking about themselves, why are they so stressed? Shouldn't they be at peace? Do you know how exhausting it is to keep yourself in the center of the universe? It's exhausting. And then you project that on other people. I say, how do you know that? Well, because there's been times in my life where I've stumbled into this sin just like other people. Okay? And so, stressed people in these last days, narcissism. Well, how else would I describe them looking at this text? Materialism, right? Okay? I mean, it says that these are things that they want, lovers of money, that they're, they're lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. This is this is, it's all about stuff. So if the temptation for narcissism was to be, the temptation for materialism is to have, okay? So narcissism is to be, you know, my existence. The, the temptation of materialism is, is to have. And, and we always want more and more things. And it's not wrong to have stuff. It's not wrong to look out for your own needs, of course, are we the center of the universe and in, 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 in even in our, our possessions, do our possessions have a grip on us? There, there's, there's a statement uh, that we talk about in our house that I mentioned in adult, bi- uh, uh, adult discipleship hour uh, when we did the breakfast and Bible hour a few weeks ago. And my daughter promptly announced to everyone present that she'd never heard me say that. Um, but we have talked about it, okay? And that is this, is that um, everything we own is either a tool or an idol, okay? Everything we own is either be used for something or it's an idol that is having too great of a position in our lives. And so that's something to think about. Think about your possessions, right? Okay, uh, uh, you know, reading a story, an author, well-known author, and he was telling how 
that he so wanted to get a new guitar, and he got a guitar, and it's a very expensive guitar that his parents bought for him. And so every night, every night after dinner, he would go in the living room, play his new guitar, this really expensive guitar, love playing his guitar and everything. And then one day the family's talking around the dinner table, and then the question comes up, and they said, hey, you know, if the house caught on fire, what would be the number one thing, what would you run back into the house for? And he said before anyone else, my guitar. And he said, the look on my children's faces, <laughs> you were like, the guitar? You know? And he said, the look on his wife's face confirmed the look on his children's face, right? That that was not the right answer to give in that moment, you know? I mean, hopefully the kids were out of the house, okay? We're hoping that was the case. But think about it, like, like what is most important to us? What, 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 what is it that if, if we lose something or it gets a scratch or a dent or, or we, it, it, it doesn't work any longer, what robs our joy in that moment, right? Again, I'm not saying that it's wrong to be disappointed if something breaks or things like this, but does it, does it have such a grip in your life that you lose your joy in that moment because what you have is no longer available to you? You see, again, it's easy to take materialism and say, yeah, those people, yeah, they're very materialistic. Or that neighbor down the road, oh, man, yeah, they're very materialistic. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's talk about our own hearts. Let's talk about our own selves. What are we most concerned about here? So to be narcissism, to have materialism. What else, what else will we talk about here? Well, I would talk about hedonism in the sex. Lovers of pleasure, right? Okay, so narcissism is to be, materialism to have, hedonism is, is to feel, right? And so this is all about pleasure. These people are all about making themselves comfortable, make themselves feel good, whether physically, emotionally, however it is, it's all about that they have to feel good, right? And this is the sign of the last days. This is the sign of stressed out people, of difficult people, right, that, that are not only stressed themselves, but then they're causing stress in their communities and where they're at with their relationships. It's because these types of things just rule them, right? And so the question is, are we hedonistic? Are we hedonistic to the point of where it's only about our own comfort, it's only about our own joy, it's only about our own satisfaction, it's only about our own pleasure, and not about other people's. And I don't think anyone here, well, right now when you hear me say it, it's like, oh, yeah, 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 that's me. I'm all about my own pleasure and no one else, okay? That's not how this works, right? But how this does work, how it should work, is you think, well, I may not be all about it, but I see hues of this in my life. I may not see the full color of hedonism in my life, but boy, I see hints of it. And that should still be enough to say, whoa, I don't want to be characterized by how this and these, these the people in the last days are characterized. I want to be characterized by Christ who's transforming me and changing my heart and aligning my affections in a whole different place. You see, that's the beauty of being a Christian is that what we love changes. And again, it's not wrong to have a nice house. It's not wrong to have a nice car. It's not wrong to have nice things. That's not the point here. But the point is, do all those things have you? Are you ruled by them? The pleasure and the comfort. There's been plenty of times where all I want, I think I've shared this before, you know, 
you know, who knows? And so here's the thing. I forget what I tell you all, okay, these stories, okay? So my only request, you know, because I love you so much and you love me, my only request is if I tell you a story that you've already heard, just act like it's the first time, okay? All right? This will be a great relationship. Okay, okay. So, uh, but, you know, there's been times where I come home, uh, um, you know, maybe I had a full day of teaching or something like that, and I, I'm just tired, right? I'm just tired. And so I just want to sit down and, like, you know, maybe watch some basketball or something like that. And then something comes up, right? Something comes up. A project needs to be done or, you know, a child needs help with something or something. I don't know what it is. And let me tell you, in that moment, okay, because, because I'm a pastor and I've been a Christian for so long, let me tell you what happens in, my, in that moment. In that moment, I think, <laughs> all right, all right. I'm human just like everyone else. I just think, oh, I just, I just want to relax and everything. Again, is it wrong to want to relax? No. Is it wrong to want rest? No. God designed us to need rest. However, if it becomes the most important thing to us, if the pleasure of rest or whatever it becomes where we're not meeting people's needs or at least engaging with people, let me tell you, we've got to be really cautious at that point. Okay, really cautious. So Paul's writing to Timothy. He says, listen, you need to understand this, okay? I want you to understand this. He says, okay, we're going through this. I'm about ready to die, and so these are things you need to know, okay? I'm writing these things down. This is what I want you to know before I die, and hopefully we get to see each other one more time. But in case we don't, this is what I want you to I want you to understand that this is characteristic of the people of the last days. So we have narcissism to be, materialism to have, hedonism to feel. And last is, as I see, a practical atheist that is in the text here, having the appearance of godliness, but denying his power. You were to avoid these type of people, okay? And so, here's, here's what he's saying here. This is all about self-sufficiency, about to rule, okay? So, if, if narcissism was to be, materialism is to have, hedonism is to feel, practical atheism is to rule. Now, what do I mean by practical atheism? What I mean by that, and, and again, um, if you ever want to read a really good chapter, Stephen Charnock wrote, a Puritan wrote a chapter uh, uh, called Practical Atheism. It's, 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 it's long, it's dense, but it is, it is worth it, okay? So, if you ever want, I can get you a PDF of it or something like that, but it's really helpful. What we mean by practical atheism is that while we would claim that God is true and we would believe in God, okay, we live as if there is no God. We want to rule even though we claim that God is in control, okay? We have the right answers and we, we know what we should say about God, but practically how we live our lives out, we want to rule our own lives, or in other ways, we want the benefits of God in our life, but we want to rule. So God's there. He's kind of like the safety net, okay, so that, that I'm doing my own thing over here, and I'm kind of living my life. But when things start going haywire, man, then I want God there. But then when things get stable again, okay, then I'm back to, to kind of wanting to rule my own domain, okay? That's what we mean by practical atheism. And here, they have this form of godliness, an appearance of godliness, but they're denying the power. What is the power? The power to change them, to change their hearts and align their affections and align their hearts and to put aside materialism, to put aside all the hedonistic desires, to, to put aside uh, the narcissism. That's the power of the gospel that these people are denying and resisting. He says, this is characteristic of the last days. This is our time. It's out there in the world. It's right here in our church. I see hues of this in my soul, and it scares me. 
And I go to the Lord and I say, I'm sorry. And I don't encourage you to do the same thing, right? Okay, so what are we to do with these people? Avoid them. Now, why does he bring this up here? You've got to remember the context. He has just said in chapter 2, he's just said in chapter 2, be patient with those who oppose. God may give them repentance. Be patient with them. But then he says, but understand this. So he's, he's coming to the point of saying, yes, there are times to be patient with people. There are times to, to just, just you know, put up with and endure people. But then he says there's also people to avoid. He said, well, how do you know the difference? Spirit-led decisions, right? And so here he says, avoid these people. So he's balancing the instruction he gave at the end of chapter 2. And so he says there is a time for patience, but there's also a time to avoid. And so we look at why is narcissism, materialism, hedonism, practical atheism so wrong? Well, it's not wrong just because they're annoying and they cause people to be annoying to us, but because they are against God in His order. And so, as I've said before, we'd be naive to think that those four characteristics never worm their way into our lives. So, ask yourself some hard questions. Where do you see narcissism? Where do you see materialism? Where do you see hedonism? Where do you see practical atheism in your life? Those are things that you should be kind of wrestling with, okay? Wrestling with them, it'd be a good thing for you to wrestle the Lord about. Okay, that was point number one, the longest point of the sermon. Don't worry, I got the clock. Okay, all right, number two, number two. We said that there's stressful people, now there's the worst of the worst in these last days. Now, what is he talking about here? Well, look, he, he disguises, he says, for among them, verse 6, who's the them? The them are the people of verse 2 that he's in verse uh, 2 through 4 he's described. He says, but among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women burdened by sins and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at knowledge of the truth. Okay? So we have among these narcissistic, hedonistic, materialistic, practical atheist people, we have the worst of the worst. We have that they are creeping in and they are trying to bring people. They're predators. They're, this is, they, they live out their narcissism. They live out their materialism and their hedonism and their practical atheism. They live it out with, at the expense and on the backs of weaker people. They oppose the truth. And he compares them to Janus and Jambres in verse 8. He said, well, who's that? I don't remember that. Uh, those are people, those names are not listed in our Old Testament. Um, Talmud writings have it. Other extra-biblical sources have this. Church tradition has it that these two individuals, they were the two magicians uh, when Moses, remember the story, when Moses is going before Pharaoh, and Moses is saying, hey, let my people go, and he has a staff, and he throws it down on the ground, and it becomes a snake to show the, uh, the power of God. Remember this story, okay? And then so, but then the Bible says there's two magicians there as well, and they have staffs, and they throw them down, and they become, they do their magic, and they become snakes as well. And so it's like, see, we can do everything you want. And I love the next part of the story. Remember what happens? Remember what happens? Yeah, yeah. Moses is a snake. You know, the staff there. Yeah, he looks at these other two. And he's like, Poof! and they eat them. He eats these things. Imagine watching that. I mean, I hate snakes anyway. I mean, you know, snake comes on the stage here. You know, I will be a great leader and run for the door. You know, okay, all right. So you got this 
snake, Moses eats him, then Moses picks this thing up, becomes a staff again. Those two magicians that Moses showed up there, that's Janice and Jamboree's, okay? All right? So probably these two dudes are happy that they weren't listed earlier in Genesis, right? And then, the, and then they're like in Timothy, like, why'd you have to mention our names? Thanks, buddy. But, okay, so just as they opposed Moses, he's saying that that's what these people are like, the worst of the worst here, okay? They're disqualified. So they're, they're preying on people, the worst of the worst. Now, who are these people that he's talking about here? All right? Some of you have been waiting for me to get to this part here. For among them are those who creep in the household and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions. Who is he talking about here? Okay? We need to be very careful with this and see exactly what he's saying here. This is, this is not a statement about women in general. Okay? This is the same with certain women. He's very clear. These are certain people, and he describes who they were, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at knowledge of the truth. Okay? So these are certain women that Paul knew about, very possibly the women that he referenced in the first letter, in 1 Timothy, if you're reading chapter 3, I believe, of 1 Timothy, you see how he talks about some women in that context as well. Could be the same thing, same women there. We don't know for sure, okay? But uh, these are ladies in hardship, and how are they described? They're burdened with sin and various passions. We don't know their background. We don't know what the, these sins are, but... Way, the way Paul is describing them is that these are women who are, are dealing with uh, a guilty conscience for past sins, and they're burdened by this. And it seems that they want to relieve the burden. And so they're, they're, they're trying to find truth. They're always looking for it. And they're, they're, they're trying to figure out how they can get this guilty conscience away from them. And they're, they're looking for it. And then these people, the worst of the worst, they come in and they're teaching different gospels. And they're, they're doing things. They're leading them astray in this. And Paul says, this is what's going to happen here. And he's using current events in the church that Timothy is pastoring and saying, that's what's happening. This is characteristics of the last days. You need to avoid these people, right? You need to make sure they don't have a, a, a footing in your church here. And so uh, the, these people were always, these ladies were always searching, probably out of a guilty conscience, but, the, but they weren't getting the truth because these these worst of the worst people were distracting them and giving them a false gospel. So, for these women here, the deficiency was, their deficiency was not found in their gender. Their deficiency was in their understanding of the gospel. And that's what made them easy prey. It's because they didn't understand what the Bible teaches about justification. You know justification? Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 8. Therefore, uh, it says that there is now no condemnation, this is Romans 8, to those who are in Christ. It's justification, meaning, meaning that we have been declared not guilty because Jesus Christ went to the cross and, and he died on the cross and he took the penalty of sin because, you see, Romans chapter 6 teaches us that the, weight, the payment of sin is death. That's in accordance with Genesis when God says, if you eat of the tree in that day you will surely die. And so the payment of sin, that the, what we have to, is death here. And so 
Jesus died a death that he did not deserve because he had lived that perfect life of obedience, the life we never could live, and so he lived that, but then he died a death he did not have to die. He did not have to. The only way Jesus died many, many years ago is because he allowed himself to be killed. It was not because natural causes, they would never have taken him, because he was living a perfect life. And so he allowed himself to die. He, 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 he had this, this death. He rose again, thereby showing that God's wrath was satisfied. And so we, if we believe in Jesus, the Bible says if, you, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. The Bible says that if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, we will be saved. We're justified. But when we forget that, when we, when we think that we've got to live a certain way in order for God to accept us, we're, we're going back into where these ladies were at. The, 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 they're trying to get God to accept them and try to, to, to clean up their lives to the point, always searching, always searching. But then I'm just telling you, that's always going to lead to disappointment. It's always going to lead to being unsatisfied. Because only what Jesus did on the cross is truly what is satisfying. And so that's the gospel that, that, that Paul was preaching, saying, Timothy, make sure they know this, right? So we're the worst of the worst here. Praying upon people who have a wrong understanding or deficient understanding of the gospel. But, so we have stressed people, stressed out people, and causing stress in the last days. We have the worst of the worst, but then he ends with hope. And he says, don't worry. But don't worry. Verse 9, he says, But they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all, as was that of those two men. Talking about Janus and Jambres. He says, Truth has a way of prevailing. Don't worry about it. And haven't we seen that in our own lives? I mean, I was thinking about it in my own life of all the, the false teachers that I've seen rise and fall, rise and fall, rise and fall. And some of you can remember some of these. I remember one particular an example. Uh, several years ago, uh, there was a, a, a preacher from California who kept predicting when Jesus was going to return. They had this huge billboard. Um, uh, maybe some of you remember this. This has probably been, I would say, around 2000. 10, 2012, somewhere around then, and he kept having uh, all these billboards everywhere, all over the United States, and the exact date that Jesus was going to come back, and, and he was just preaching a false gospel and things like this, and I remember, actually, I remember the date and time when he, I don't remember the exact date and time, but I remember when it came up that he said that it was going to happen. I happened to be in Washington, D.C., right, okay, and I was with a friend, and we were, we were walking in D.C., and I said, well, at least if, if he, this guy's right and Jesus does come back, there won't be a crowd here. There won't be a crowd going. All right, maybe you'll get that joke later. But the point is, is that, um, that uh, uh, obviously it didn't happen. It didn't happen, okay? And I've never heard from this guy again, right? He was very embarrassed, and he came back with another date, and then that didn't happen. Then he, we've never heard from him again. You know, people, these false teachers, they rise and fall, rise and fall. Right? And for a time, it seems like they are preaching, a, 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 they have a following that, that can't be competing with anyone else. Just give it time. Just give it time. Truth has a way of prevailing. So regardless of any current situation we have, Jesus wins in the end. Even when you see false teachers prevailing, know that their time is short. So, let me conclude here. Don't expect the world to get better. Okay? All right. There might be times of peace, 
But overall, the world is marching away from God, not toward God. And that makes our evangelism so much more necessary that we need to tell people about the truth, right? Because it's getting more and more difficult. But at the same time, while that seems depressing, false teachers will become obvious according to this text. So we avoid those teachers. So the question is, you have to think about how do you recognize a false teacher? Are you in a place where you could recognize a false teacher? Well, that's why you got to know the book. you got to know the book. And not just what I'm saying. You know, if, if you're just coming and saying, okay, well, Jeremy's going to tell me what I should believe about that, eh, wrong answer, okay? I mean, I want to teach the Word to you, and I try my best to teach it faithfully, but I, I'm a man. I want you to follow the book here, okay? I want you to wrestle with the text, that's why I have you. Open your Bible. Open your Bible. I want you to see what we're talking about here. I don't want it to be like, oh, Jeremy said this, and that must be true. Okay, well, you know, I, I hope so. I, I, I don't intentionally try to lie to anybody, but read the book. This is how you know if there's a false teacher or not, by comparing to the Scriptures, okay? Don't put yourself in a position of being easily duped, okay? Believe the gospel. Let the gospel change your life. It's not about gender, it's about understanding the gospel. That was the situation here, okay? Truth prevails, don't lose heart. I want you to think about this, this how Paul ends this, that truth prevails. How would this week look different for you if you truly embraced that reality? That truth prevails, God wins. How would this week look different? Now, I can't answer that question for you. I want you to wrestle with that. 